Sends Rain Timberley shoots and scores. It comes around to Jeff Tambellini at the near side circle with 5.3 seconds remaining. Tambellini gives the Wolverines a 6-5 lead. Allen Ginsberg here announcing that this is station WCBN. FM Ann Arbor, your Dharmic free speech station. This is war to extermination. Fight cell by cell through bodies and mind screens of the earth. Souls rotten from the orgasm drug. Flesh shuddering from the ovens. Prisoners of the earth come out. Storm the studio. Burnt metal smell of interplanetary war in the raw noon streets, swept by screaming glass blizzards of enemy flak. Shift lingwals, free doorways, cut word lines, photo falling, word falling, breakthrough in gray room, towers, open fire. Citizen, you are listening to WCBN-FM in Ann Arbor. Guilt, blast, bound, stab, strap, kill. Pilot K-9, you are cut off. Back. Return to base immediately. Ride music beam back to base. Stay out of that time, Flack. All pilots, ride pan pipes back to base. Back to base. Wow, welcome to another edition of Gray Matters here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Gray Matters is the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And yeehaw, Michigan into the Sweet 16. I don't know if they were listening to any Chuck Berry, but they should have been. <laughs> Once again, John Beeline, yeah, he's he's a great coach. I just don't understand all these local idiots that get on his case. It's, the record speaks for itself. Anyway, we'll see what happens. It's a wide-open tournament, and Michigan might be a, a Cinderella story this year. Who knows? They have the the kind of the right mix to, to to make a run, but maybe they need a little break with uh, an upset in the other bracket. Hopefully, Kansas can get knocked out, and we can go to the Final Four. But Oregon is very beatable. Anyway, well, speaking of Chuck Berry, just real quick on him. Uh, obviously, a lot of the music DJs will be playing tributes and making their uh, comments about his legacy and importance, but. Uh, just occurs to me that uh, when you think of it, it's kind of a shame that he never really won the serious plaudits that he deserved. I mean, they're, we're almost talking about like a Nobel for Literature Prize uh, body of work here. Uh, admittedly, as a person, Chuck Berry was kind of a jerk. Uh, as, it was as admitted as much by uh, Keith Richards, and probably nobody loves Chuck Berry more than Keith Richards, but uh, there's a reason why Chuck Berry was a kind of a jerk, and it had to do with the uh, overt racism that he had to face and the numerous times that he got ripped off over the years. But when you think about the way that his body of work, really he's the first guy to synthesize what we now know as rock and roll by taking black rhythm and blues and blending it with rockabilly music, country music, and uh, without Chuck Berry, there's no Rolling Stones, there's no Beatles, there's none of what we consider rock and roll. Um, Elvis was a singer. Chuck Berry was a writer. And when you look at the quality of his lyricism, 
And especially when you take into consideration a song like Brown-Eyed Handsome Man, which is as bold a statement of black pride for its day as anything you could ever hope to find in other literature, I think Chuck Berry deserved more credit for his writing and for his uh, unique achievement in blending uh, two unique American uh, musics into a new thing, which literally changed the world, culturally speaking. Yeah, and by the way, I, I do recommend uh, reading uh, the obituary in the New York Times. It's extensive. There's also an interesting piece in today's art section by John Caramancia. Uh, John Perales wrote the obituary uh, that appears I, I, interestingly in both Sunday and Monday's uh, uh, New York Times uh, about the history, and of course, you're right. Chuck Berry had some some interesting issues, but I, I I wanted to make one other brief comment. Obviously, the famous lyrics of uh, "Roll Over Beethoven," which goes, "My heart beating rhythm and my soul keep a singing the blues." He sang, "Roll over Beethoven and tell Tchaikovsky the news." That's a very profound statement. That's the, you know, that's the innovation. And the guitar, you know, attacking the guitar thing. I, of course, uh, grew up a little bit with uh, the Grateful Dead, and uh, they played Johnny Be Good and Promised Land as regular songs in their tour uh, package. Occasionally they would play Roll Over Beethoven. And, of course, we have local artists that play Chuck Berry tunes all the time. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that even on Friday night, I, I saw Chris Casello down at Live for the happy hour, and he had at least one Chuck Berry song, maybe two. Uh, but it's that, yeah, that, that rift, that um, profound attacking of the two strings there, the three chords, the basis of, of rock and roll. But I wanted to comment very interestingly. I will be fascinated by the historians that look into the FBI Chuck Berry file. Hmm. Um, because one of the things that's interesting about his obituary is it mentions that he was c convicted eventually of violating the Mann Act. That's M-A-N-N. Spelled with the double N there, sort of like the uh, folk... Uh, uh, icon Amy Mann. Uh, the Mann Act was one of those bizarre, prudish, puritanical American laws that was used really for political purposes um, involving the state line, cross, crossing over state lines to quote-unquote commit an immoral act, which uh, could have uh, involved just about anything. But I'm sure that Chuck Berry was a, uh, a target of Jagger Hoover. Um for all kinds of reasons, not the well, least of which is racism. But this use of the Mann Act, and eventually Chuck Berry was convicted in a second trial, mm -hmm. by the way. Uh, his first uh, conviction, according to the obituary, was uh, tossed out on... Explicit racist comments from the judge. You got it. And that's an important uh, component of our modern uh, judiciary regarding the right to a free trial and our so-called Bill of Rights. And one of the uh, sad things about the United States of America today is uh, the NRA, for instance, is hung up about the Second Amendment. <laughs> but many of the other key amendments of the Bill of Rights, the 
first 10 amendments, uh, part of the Constitution that was predominantly written by James Madison at the insistence of Thomas Jefferson. They were in correspondence uh, regarding the, the uh, creation of the Constitution, which is based on the Federalist Papers, the primary writers being Alexander Hamilton, James Madison, and John Jay. But the right to a fair trial is part of the Bill of Rights. And um, yes, Chuck Berry, you know, had some other sort of bizarre things. I don't want to talk about my ding-a-ling, but I'm sure that's a uh, national anthem of Donald Trump. <laughs> well, there uh, is an interesting way in which, uh, just to dwell on this for a little bit longer, uh, rock and roll was deemed as a very serious threat Uh by uptight white America, the power structure, whatever you want to call it, uh, afraid about race mixing with their kids. Mm -hmm. And so uh, when you look at the strange and somewhat systematic way in which rock and roll was shut down, um, kind of in its prime, uh, it, it really begins to look like, hey, wait a minute, um, maybe there is something going on here. Now, some of these were accidents, some of these were oddball, you know, Jerry Lee Lewis's sort of self-destruction into marrying a 13-year-old cousin. Uh, but Elvis gets drafted. Chuck Berry gets uh, thrown in jail. Uh, little Richard uh, converts to uh, becoming a preacher. Um, he was battling his own bisexuality, so the extent to which he may have been being blackmailed, who knows. Uh, but um, Buddy Holly's killed in a plane crash. So all these iconic rock and roll figures were like, Boom, 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 boom. Within just a short span, mm -hmm. all silenced. And uh, the Fabians and the uh, uh, crooner types uh, kind of took back over. And, okay, that's cool. Uh, we're not going to have too much intrusion of uh, black music into white teenage lives until the Beatles started it all back up again sure. uh, by covering Chuck Berry and brought it. It was a force that could not be contained. And uh, by the time uh, the Beatles and the Stones were playing black American music for white American teenagers, it was a done deal. And uh, that genie could not be put back in the bottle. And it's part of the reason the 60s saw the final advance of the civil rights movements, or the, to the extent that it did advance, largely because there was a new understanding among the youth of America, white youth in particular, that uh, this was a gross injustice. Well, and, and indeed, the, the Mann Act itself, getting back to that very briefly, uh, because getting these FOIA uh, documents from the government is uh, always a difficult thing, particularly because uh, they black out so much information, literally. Um, a writer, by the way, that was investigating Ronald Reagan's uh, connections to being an FBI informant uh, with the identity of T-10 uh, following his uh, appearance before HUAC in 1947 show that uh, Jagger Hoover had a sort of perpetual culture war going on. Oh, John Lennon was constantly surveilled. Yeah, and he, by the way, his FBI file uh, uh, started up uh right after the Free John Sinclair concert. Right here in town, yeah. As uh, the nation's uh, John Wiener uh, has uh, explored in a couple of books uh, investigating the John Lennon FBI file. But the Mann Act, and I don't know the details here, but uh, w we might even be talking here about an interracial 
relationship. Let's remember that uh, in in uh, many uh, southern states, flyover country, as, uh, they're sometimes called these days. Donald Trump's base. Uh, odd that he would make a uh, a brief appearance here in Michigan to announce the relaxation of cafe standards and then fly to Tennessee for a rally. Uh, you know, this might have involved interracial uh, miscegenation laws and uh, prohibition of interracial marriage were prevalent in the South. In fact, one of the interesting documentaries that was produced last year regarded the loving decision about a Virginia law that prohibited um, interracial marriage. And uh, loving, I might add, just for the historical record, is quoted as a precedent in uh, the Roe versus Wade decision, in which Harry Blackman writes specifically about how the court over a series of decades has found a fundamental right to privacy, a fundamental right to procreate, a fundamental right to travel, by the way. That's mm-hmm. actually cited in Roe versus Wade. I don't know if Donald Trump has actually ever read the decision, but it might behoove him to do so since he had another uh, quote-unquote travel ban struck down by the courts, vowing in Tennessee, of course, to, we're going to win, we're taking this to the Supreme Court, blah, blah. Well, it'll be a hollow victory, and it's interesting that three of the six countries on the list, and, you know, you can have legitimate debates in this country about immigration and and, uh, visa... uh, you know, the dispensation of visas and that sort of thing. But it's interesting that three out of the six countries on the list seem to be the primary countries where Donald Trump is uh, escalating our war <laughs> behind the scenes. Indeed. In other words, he's picked Yemen and Syria uh, right off the bat as places in Iraq, which of course was just recently removed, as places where he is planning on escalating uh, troop levels for different reasons. I have no idea why the United States needs to get involved in Yemen. Yemen is a country that has already been identified by the United Nations of, of countries in this region of the world, this line of aridity, as I like to call it, that uh, was uh, introduced to me by Naomi Klein, where these conflicts are, are precisely where profound drought and food problems are occurring. And, of course, the food problems are not only related to warfare and the flow of refugees. But also climate shift. But climate shift and the inability of food, uh, the food situation. So the United States, rather than bombing mountains and villages and uh, the so-called... wiping out terrorists in these incredibly expensive operations, the special forces operation that backfired on Trump right off the bat, uh, should be contemplating what they're going to do about these food emergencies that are, that are now growing in the South Sudan, to be, which is distinctive from the Sudan proper. But the Sudan proper, of course, was the original nation, and this nation split up because of internal warfare, civil war, uh, ethnic cleansing, and all the horrors that we remember several years ago 
in the region known as Darfur um, that, for instance, Hollywood celebrities uh, got heavily involved in about the situation in Darfur, an area the size of France. Uh, yes, Ambrose Bierce had it correct. War can be defined as God's way of teaching Americans something about geography. And I wish Trump, who apparently has a affection for maps, might behoove him to start looking at the maps. Well, I think you'd have. It's hard to see the detail on a map when it's in the tiny little screen on your smartphone, because I think that really is all he looks at. Yeah, I think that's where he reads his Breitbart news. Uh, he watches the television, of course. We know. But as far as reading is concerned, I think it's the tweet, what is it, 140-some characters? That's really the limit of his grasp. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure that between watching himself on television, he spends a lot of time looking at himself in the mirror. I uh, think of uh, Snow White. Mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all. <laughs> hey, Mo. Hey, Mo. Your hair is getting in your eyes again. Um, yeah, and of course, you know, it, it, just a classic week of buffoonery, stupidity, and, uh, you know, the real agenda that's occurring here. We, we get the health care uh, bill unveiled, the budget proposals. We don't need to talk about that. That's all inside baseball at this point. Those will get manhandled by various lobbyists and constituencies, and something will come out the end. But how fascinating to see that in the budget proposals of Donald Trump, uh, in addition to decimating the EPA and cutting funding for the Great Lakes, you know, the protection of the Great Lakes, our water system, that actually affects eight states uh, in the United States and is, um, the last time I checked, has been uh, determined by scientists to contain 20% of the fresh water in the world. That's the whole wide world. Putting 20% of the whole wide world on Donald Trump's shoulders, Atlas shrugged. He dropped the globe. <laughs> I'm sinking. I'm in a sinkhole. Donnie, yes, the sinkhole is getting bigger. He, of course, uh, digs his own sinkhole deeper by accusing the British of being involved in the intelligence, the wiretapping, that he can't prove that Obama was. So, you know, Comey is appearing today and before Congress. Well, uh, it just makes you wonder what will the next baseless claim be? Right. It's uh, Although, actually, there is a new tweet today, as of 1240 this afternoon, that says something to the extent of, NSA and FBI say that there is no connection for the Trump campaign to Russia. Well, that's just plain fiction. They did not say that. They have not said that. No. It's an ongoing investigation, as Comey articulated numerous times to this afternoon under some questioning uh, in Washington. Um, so at, at one point, I begin to wonder, what's the responsibility of Twitter to allow this guy, I mean, I guess there's nothing to stop anybody from. I could get a Twitter account and start tweeting out things like, rat poison is candy. Right. Or, dogs are actually cats in disguise. 
And that's free speech, of course, although it's utter nonsense. Sure. So I guess, you know, people have the right to uh, emit utter nonsense in this format. But when you've got 16 million followers and you wonder what else those 16, you know, some of the 16 million followers of Trump's tweets are journalists and, you know, responsible people. But uh, how many of those people go, oh, well, there it is right there. I read it. It must be true. The president said it. Where does the line between fiction and utter balderdash, because there is a distinction, I would say, between fiction and utter balderdash, uh, you know, we'll leave reality out of it here for a second because clearly he's not concerned with reality. Yeah, and we're involved in, in uh, you know, massive leaking going on, counter-leaking and all sorts of things going on. I mean, just last week, you know, we had a, a tax return from some random year where it turned out Trump actually paid some taxes, although he did claim a $103 million deduction. Uh, how that came about to be in the possession of David K. Johnston's hands is anybody's guess. Well, he theorized that one potential source may be Trump himself. Precisely, because one of the great lines in the Watergate tapes is, is when uh, um, uh, Nixon meets Haldeman and says, yeah. Bob, Bob, I think it's time to start leaking. Let's have a little fun. That's how we won the Hiss case. Leaking, we had him convicted before the trial ever started. And, of course, leaking is part of how the news is is, uh, produced uh, in Washington. Uh, Leaking is nothing new, uh, and it's nothing terribly sinister, by the way. Uh, And it's probably not going to stop anytime soon. I will continue to see it. And, of course, you know, what we have here are accusations about a, quote, deep state, which is a vague, uh, dastardly t- term that's being used by Steve Bannon, who wants, of course, to deconstruct the so-called administrative state. Uh, he said that sp- uh, explicitly. But let's be very clear about these investigations uh, that are ongoing uh, by Congress. Uh, we-, we-, we already know how this is going to look on television. It's going to be kabuki theater. The Republicans are going to go out of their way to defend Donald Trump and complain about leaking, uh, which they're already doing. And lost in it all, of course, is the nonsense that somehow the Russians affected our election. They did not affect our elections. Our elections were affected by 25 different things. But what was affected, and of course, it is important to remember that there is a difference between the hacking and the leaking. Uh, the Russian uh, operatives probably were involved in the hacking, but the leaking was clearly done by Julian Assange and WikiLeaks. This started on the eve of the Democratic National Convention, if not sooner, but it was clearly originally designed to disrupt the Democrats at the convention. Mm-hmm. In other words, the first WikiLeaks batch came out, um, which showed that the DNC, quote-unquote, manipulated the process uh, in the primaries, which, of course, is also a false uh, allegation. Uh, I mean, there are many things to like about Bernie Sanders, but let's be quite clear here. Uh, Of the top 15 states in which they actually had primaries between Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton— uh, Hillary Clinton won 14 of the 15. Now, Washington State did have a caucus so that Bernie Sanders officially got the delegates 
from Washington State in a higher number than the actual primary. So Washington State had a kind of a two uh, primaries, a caucus and an actual primary. The only state that Bernie won of the top 15 states in the United States uh, was Michigan. And they only won here by two points. Hillary Clinton won the Democratic nomination for all sorts of reasons, uh, not the least of which are the long uh, bona fides that both Bill and Hillary Clinton had with minority groups. This was just something that Bernie Sanders could never overcome. Hillary Clinton performed well in the debates. But Hillary Clinton lost the election for 40 different reasons. I just want to list a few of these reasons because the Russians don't have much to do with it. But you'll see a pattern developing here. I'm just going to list a a bunch of them. There was poor uh, voter Democratic turnout in strongholds like Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Cleveland, and Detroit. The third-party candidates. I mentioned this on the night of the election. The polls were not wrong. Some of the polls were. But the final New York Times poll had Hillary Clinton with a three-point lead, and it showed that Gary Johnson was going to get 5% and Jill Stein was going to get 4% and that she had a three-point lead, 45 to 42. That's more or less what the final vote was. And Hillary Clinton did win the popular vote by nearly 3 million. However, Jill Stein was the difference in numerous states. Uh, I wish the Greens could do their math. Uh, The 1968 presidential election, if you go back and you check it out, Richard Nixon won that election with about 43% of the vote. Humphrey got about 42.7%. George Wallace got the rest. 42, 43 plus 13 is 56%. That is the conservative advantage that the conservatives have in presidential elections throughout most of American history, dating back to the inception of the modern Republican Party. The exception, of course, was the Great Depression, uh, in which the Republicans had huge majorities in Congress and the presidency. Well, and maybe the Ross Perot candidacy. Yeah, and that was a factor in in that in the '92 and '96 elections. But Barack Obama is actually one of the only Democrats in American history that's actually gotten 50 percent of the vote. Franklin Roosevelt's the other. <laughs> Just go check out. The voting data on this. Hillary Clinton lost some votes, but she didn't lose that many Democratic votes. Most of them went to Jill Stein. What she accomplished is unclear. Uh, Voter ID laws uh, suppressed the vote in college towns throughout Michigan, for instance. MSU, Western Michigan, Eastern Michigan, Central Michigan, the University of Michigan, Grand Valley State. College students had to go vote where their driver's license says they live. How many college students can go back to their hometown on a Tuesday and vote in their hometown? Voter intimidation, widespread uh, violence threatened by the Trump forces before the election. Uh, late reports of dis- and disinformation about Obamacare. We have false stories by Sean Hannity and Brett Baer the last week of the election claiming Hillary was about to be indicted. Fox News. What is Fox News anyway? It's the vessel of Donald Trump's disinformation. It's been shown over and over that, that that's how this works. Donald Trump got 3 to $4 billion in free media. Massive 
disinformation on social media, including all these fake news sites, Breitbart. Uh, we don't need to list them all, but they're there. Same thing on AM Talk Radio. We got shock jocks. We got Rush, Sean Hannity, Michael Levine, who is involved in this latest uh, nonsense about Obama uh, bugging Donald Trump. Wiretapping is what he used the phrase as. White rage. Um, on and on. I mean, there's all sorts of explanations for why Hillary Clinton lost. And she made tactical mistakes that we can get into. So I think it's important to understand that the Russians did not influence the election. The media did. The coverage did. The propaganda in America did. The disinformation and fake news here. And the fact that too many people are getting their information from social media and Fox News. And, of course, the Donald himself. He generates news by being fake, which is what he is. Unfortunately, he's the real president. So we have all kinds of problems in this in the system. And obviously it's important to understand whether or not Russia played a role. Dutch elections. Ooh. Here it goes down. He doesn't do as well as he should have. And guess who was the big uh, gainer? The Green Party. Has anybody ever paid attention to Dutch elections before? <laughs> Before this year, they have coalition governments in which right-wing parties actually merge with left-wing parties to create fragile governments in the Netherlands. Donald Trump, I'll give him a brain damage award. He meets Merkel and he talks about a German-American trade deal. Never happened. Did during the Nazi era. <laughs> I don't know if Donald Trump can remember back that far. But, uh, the, you know, the trade deal was with the EU and the American government. So, you know, it's amazing. The German government has to go back and correct the record. The British government has to denounce Trump and, and the fake allegations that the British were somehow involved in bugging Trump Tower. Yeah. Well, the president could probably clear a lot of this up by being a little bit more open about his taxes. His taxes. That would that would clear up the financial irregularities between him and all of these foreign governments that may well have played a role in our election. And, of course, we can talk more and more about these things. We just had a report, by the way, about the state of Michigan, outside dark money. 34 to 1 was spent uh, benefiting the Republican nominees on the ballot here in Michigan. Half of the money, dark money from out of state. Think Koch brothers. Think Adelson. Think Edelweiss. Think citizens so-called united. Yeah, but or Citizen Kane. As for Citizen Trump, you know, get it together, dude. Uh, you know, I've called on you to resign already. Um, do it. <laughs> just, just do it. Put us out of our misery. <laughs> Listen to some Chuck Berry and go on vacation and soak your head in a bowl of pina colada. We are out of time, and we would like to thank the uh, our engineer, the DJ who cannot be named. Stay and tuned. Yazoo City Calling coming up next.
short ideas repeated massage the brain. Horizons. Music that looks 